Boom! There it is! Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen, Blue Apron, and Gamefly. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am usually joined by Christian Spicer, but I'm flying without my co-pilot this week. Christian says it's because he is... Uh, He's got a, a sweet stand-up gig at the comedy store that uh, that conflicts with our usual recording time. But I suspect that it has more to do with the fact that a new World of Warcraft expansion came out. And I'm going to be gushing about that. And he doesn't want to put up with it. So you know what I did? I leaned into it, guys. I leaned into it. So buckle in, folks. Uh, you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata. This week, DLC stands for downpour of liquid cold because we're going all in on blizzard today and i have not one but two awesome guests that are in the blizzard world that i'm so excited to have with me first of all a streamer and caster for the heroes global championship first time on the show i'm very excited to welcome tim frazier aka trixler to the show hey tim hey what's going on man dude thank you so much for inviting me to the show i i hear about you all the time i have tons of people that actually watch my stream that talk about you and about how awesome. amazing your show is i actually listened to a couple of your podcasts coming in and you're a legend dude your hosting is amazing i just want to give you some applause dude so thank you for uh, on. this is why it's so great when christian's not here because <laughs> <laughs> can have guys like you on um thank you very much i am so uh, excited especially because uh, right before we started recording I discovered that you are a big fan of VR, so we're going to yes. dig into that later. It's going to be it's going to be a love fest all around. And we have another guest, uh, a guest who has been on the show before. One of my favorite people on the internet. You know him from the Angry Chicken podcast. You know him from Into the Nexus, my favorite Heroes of the Storm podcast. It's Garrett Weinzerl back to the show. Hey, Garrett. They may also know you from Into the Nexus, Jeff. I hope so. I hope so. I'm I'm not on as as in every episode like you are, but uh, no, I no. pop up here and there. That is true. You, yeah, you're you're due for a, you're due for a, a visit for the month of August. I'm looking forward to that coming up. But I believe but, that's this Thursday. I think we're doing it this Thursday, right? Let me. Uh, yes, yes, you will be on this Thursday. But yeah, let me just keep the thank you train rolling. Thank you for having me back. I, I, uh, you, you are one of. The, if I can let the audience know how the sausage is made, you are one of those podcast producers that even live have your setup so nicely done that we, the guest hosts, are sitting here actually listening to the intro music play in real time right before we get into the show. And I listen to the show regularly, so I almost forgot to talk because I thought I was just <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts. It got me hyped, to be honest. I mean, that music, oof, I'm ready to go. You guys are the best. This is already my favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> Christian's not here. You yeah, guys yeah. are here. We're going to be talking about Blizzard. We got, we, man, we got so much fun stuff. Obviously, we're going to deep dive into uh, the, the new expansion, Battle for Azeroth. We're going to probably, I think, talk a little Heroes of the Storm and lots of other games to talk about. But first, let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool group of folks, fun community. I encourage you to give it a shot. Let's start, um, let's say, well, you're the, you're the first timer, Tim. Why don't you get first pick of stories? What would you consider to be your story of the week? Just throw me in the gauntlet. Let's do it. Uh, for me, actually, uh, Generation Zero coming out from Avalanche Studios is actually really important for me. They are known for Just Cause and Mad Max, both wonderful games. They've also helped publish games on the side as well. But they're approaching a different style of game, actually. They're coming for this co-op play style of guerrilla tactics where you show up in Sweden and suddenly the world is infested with machines and you need to figure out what exactly happened while working with three to four friends which is a pretty curious game genre that I'm trying to get more into like I've Mm. heard stories about like Left 4 Dead in the past and Borderlands and all these great games and I've jumped into Destiny wasn't really my thing the division as well didn't quite nail on the head for me but this game looks a little bit on the challenging side I think one of the lines that really stood out for me on the announcement was that uh this game aims to put you in situations where your opponents are well equipped and you will have to outsmart them to beat them and so that's Mm. kind of a big announcement for me and I'm actually very excited for this game yeah, you're right. I, I, Avalanche is definitely a studio that you have to perk up anytime you hear something new coming from them. Um, Mad Max, I think, is super underrated. And, of course, love the Just Cause games. I, yeah. I, actually, I don't love the Just Cause games as much as some people do, but I admire them for what they're able to pull off. Um, but, man, this is a really cool trailer that dropped this week, Generation Zero. Uh, the one thing you left out is that it's set in the 80s, which yeah. I thought was kind of interesting. You it's sort have of a like, mohawk. <laughs> yeah yeah it looks it looks really cool kind of bringing back that vibe uh like you said of left for dead which is like the the four-player co-op shooter but i kind of feel like it also has a little bit of um of uh battle royale influence to it like a big open world you're scavenging sure. for for stuff it doesn't feel quite as linear as something like a left for dead uh was in its day um garrett oh. did you Go ahead. Uh, Well, it felt like they kind of took a whole bunch of genres and threw them into the trailer a little bit. Like, I feel like you get a little bit of Fallout mixed in there as well. You got some item collection from Borderlands. It seems to try to take the best of all the worlds and just kind of mix it into this beautiful game. I think that's the other part, too, is, like, the game looks gorgeous, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Some games are a little cel-shaded. They're a little bit like, okay, they're just trying to, like, throw content at you. This one looks really polished. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys saw this last season of Black Mirror... But uh, I know this game had to have been in development before that season of Black Mirror came out because it wasn't that long ago. Uh, but there's straight up a Black Mirror episode that's like the plot of this game, which is super oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, yeah you're the, right. It's the black and white one. Yeah. 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 That was terrifying, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, most- Garrett, what, what did you think of this trailer? Did you get a chance to look at it? I did. I did. Yeah. It's funny you, you bring up Fallout. I'm going to a little bit of shots fired here. But my first thought was, wow, this is like Bethesda had good graphics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, I think the, I think Fallout seventy six looks better than uh, they've done it in the past. I mean, it looks improved, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that boat. If, if you showed me the Fallout seventy six trailer, I'd be like, why? Why are we looking at a trailer for a three year old game? Yeesh. Uh, yeah, no, I think this looks really uh, cool. Generation Zero again is what it's called. Uh, it's looking like a 2019 release. Um, there's like a scavenging aspect. So it's like, you know, you're in the 80s. 
you're getting weapons and gear and trying to survive this sort of uh, machine apocalypse that's happening. Uh, you, you were with your friends and you got back from a trip and then the machines took over while you were gone. And uh, so you've got 80s style weapons, which isn't that long ago, but it's not, you know, it's not future soldier, but you can scavenge the future robot machines for their stuff and then add some kind of sci-fi element to your weaponry over time, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Big, vast open world, complete day-night cycle. A lot of stuff to be excited about for this one, I think. What's up with all this 80s stuff, by the way? Like, we had Radical Heights come out. Is it because of Stranger Things? Like, why, why? Yeah, Netflix. It's Stranger Things. Okay, yeah. Netflix. We blame Netflix. Okay. Have you, play, have you played Battle for Azeroth? There's just straight up Demigorgons in Battle for Azeroth. <laughs> it's true. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that, yeah, if, 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 I, if I didn't know how long video games take to make, I would say that somebody's weird Netflix playlist was Stranger Things and Black Mirror, and they're like, let's make a video game. <laughs> I, I didn't but, realize that the, the, the setup for the game is you come back from a trip and, yeah, and Mexico on taking over. And, that is, and now, now it makes the, the kind of setting in the trailer make so much more sense to me because like, we're so u- I feel like we're so used in video games to w- when we see fairly residential uh, settings that we can identify with and something that we, you know, we're kind of used to seeing a lot of times it's, it is like fallout. Everything is kind of uh, decrepit and overgrown and in a state of disrepair. Whereas this, it looks like suddenly out of nowhere, everything was working fine and dandy, but now there's robots trying to kill everybody. Um, and I just find it, it's, 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 a, it's a, just a slightly better, like a slightly different take on, on the whole, you know, we have to run around a neighborhood and things are still trying to kill us. Kind of has a modern, reminds me of Modern Warfare 2 because that was, you know, the whole, right. the whole yeah. the fight uh, in like residential areas in America because it was just a sudden attack. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't post-apocalyptic. It was in the middle of the apocalypse. Yeah, no. And those were cool levels like going in and out of these suburban homes and stuff. Um, in the chat room, ETH Demon is, uh, is angry at me, yelling at me that, that this is based on a Swedish tabletop game. And I should know that. I did not know that. I feel bad that I did not know that. But uh, yeah, I didn't know that Generation Zero was a board game. So thanks for that, Heath Demon. Um, Garrett, what is your story of the week? Uh, well, I, I would go with Diablo 3 coming to the Switch, not because I am going to run out there and buy it, but because of the conversations it has been bringing up and just uh, kind of how it ties into the overall discussion we've been having with having a parity between your accounts across consoles, PC, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we got the official announcement. I guess there was a little bit of a leak uh, prematurely, but we got the official announcement that Diablo 3 is coming to Switch. I think that was maybe supposed to be a Gamescom announcement, but either way, we got the official announcement. The Eternal Collection, which will include the Reaper of Souls expansion and the Rise of the Necromancer pack. Uh, there will also be ex- uh, exclusive Nintendo-themed Switch Features like a uh, a a armor set uh, that's sort of inspired by Ganondorf from Legend of Zelda. There will be a uh, a special pet and banners and stuff. Uh, you know, not nothing huge, but some some flavor for for being on a Nintendo console. Uh, of course, you play with the Joy-Con controller. No no keyboard and mouse here, but you can play with up to four players on a single shared screen uh, on a single Switch. I think that's pretty neat. Um, so I love the way you frame this, Garrett, that, uh, you know, I have however many max level characters in Diablo at this point. Um, should I be expected to buy this and start fresh or should there be some sort of battle net shared identity across all these 
uh, devices. Yeah, and that's and a lot of the conversations been going that way. Specifically, what's been going on with you know Fortnite and Sony. Yeah, um, and so th- this is obviously not as directly tied to that, but but you know the the big joke in 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 you know the circle of my friends this week has been wow Diablo is kind of the Skyrim uh, for Blizzard at this point like th- th- this <laughs> right. game has come out on so many different platforms and released so many times uh, that while I I love my Switch and the idea of playing Diablo three on my Switch wherever I am you know on a plane without having to bust out a laptop and somehow hook up a a mouse without jabbing my my poor airplane partner with my elbow uh it sounds great like like in a in, you know in a bubble that sounds really good to me but the idea of spending 60 dollars again uh on on diablo 3 granted it comes with everything and plus some some sweet zelda tie-ins which uh, i will be honest i am a big zelda fan and that is enough to get me mildly excited um the idea of having to start all over again uh for 60 dollars i'm not that i'm not that stoked i'm i'm really i'm hoping that down the road uh, we can get uh, some type of link between Battle.net and our console Diablo 3s. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be ideal. Uh, and I wonder if that's a Blizzard issue or a Nintendo issue or what that even is. Um, and I hear you on the price point. I wonder if, you know, if this kind of thing, in the same way that I think it is with Skyrim, it's not really aimed at us. I mean, it kind of is aimed at us, but I think it's aimed at an audience that, hasn't played Diablo three yet. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I, I completely agree. No, go ahead, Garrett. Oh, I was just going to say, I completely agree. It's just that I, th- I think it's a, a bit of a, bit of a missed market. Cause I think the, the Diablo diehards, if, if you could continue your loot grind yeah. on the go on your switch, that would be a big argument for spending the money again. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say, Tim? I mean, think about Starcraft 64. I mean, that's how I was introduced to Blizzard games, right? And wow. nowadays, I couldn't even dream of playing an RTS on a console. But if you get that game out there and you have that good connection between Blizzard and Nintendo, suddenly new fans can come into Diablo and that eventually, like myself, will extend to here's World of Warcraft, here's Heroes of the Storm. It's a good way for Blizzard to make new fans and just be like, hey, here's a game that we're able to port over. Hopefully it's going to be great. I mean, a lot of people I were reading are super excited that it's 720p. I feel like that should be expected. But hey, here's a game that's going to look great for you, and it's a game that people love. So I think it's a good way to get Blizzard a new market, and Nintendo, who seems to be on board with everybody right now. They're just trying to make friends with everyone. It seems like a, a match made in heaven. I just want to I just want to bond for a second, because the first Blizzard game I played was StarCraft on the N64. Yeah! All wow. you could do was fall down Cannon Rush, because you get like 5 FPS. Yeah. <laughs> it was great! Yeah. Yeah. And to that, I would like to add, it's a miracle you and I are still playing Blizzard games, if that was our first I know. experience. Right? Like, wow. going back now, I'm like, I can't touch that game. Like, no, it does not so work bad. at all. Well, let me ask you then, th- this question, guys. It how do you feel about playing Diablo with a Joy-Con controller? Oh, they they knocked it out of the park. Well, I haven't I haven't played it with the Joy-Con controller. I can't really tell you, but I have played the PlayStation version, which I was extremely skeptical about when it was originally announced. I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I remember StarCraft sixty four, and they've they've done a killer job. Like it, they have proven that Diablo three works with a joystick, right? Yeah, and you're not. It's not like you're playing competitively against anybody that might be on a mouse and keyboard or, or able to do something you're not able to do. And right. yeah, these games. The, is that do you, do you agree with that, Tim? I mean, yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, when I was working at Blizzard, I remember how much of a priority it was when they were trying to bring it over to uh, PlayStation, like to make sure it felt great. Like we did a lot of play tests and such, and I can imagine it is the same here for Switch. 
Yeah. And then the other thing you guys brought up, which is frame rate, it's good to see that they have announced that Diablo 3 will be at 60 FPS on Switch, which is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, it's an older game. You would hope that it would be able to play it well. And it sounds like they've gotten it optimized. But it's crazy it took them five months to port it. Wow. Mm. It seems... I, I just, you know, I don't make games. I don't know how long that stuff takes, but that seems like a long time. But I'm glad they're uh, glad they're doing it. I, I Hopefully this opens it up to a new audience. I probably will triple dip at this point. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, my story of the week. Um, boy, uh, I kind of want to talk about new video cards, but I have a feeling that by the time you guys, uh, anybody listening to this, uh, listens to it, uh, this will be... Uh, all actually announced. We uh, evidently will be getting a big NVIDIA event on Monday. Uh, we're recording this uh, Sunday night, so it's probably old news at this point, but uh, I'm excited about new NVIDIA cards. I'm excited about this uh, RTX 2080 and 2080 Ti that evidently are both going to be uh, announced and put on sale relatively soon. Usually there's a big lag between the base card and then that more powerful TI version. And so you get all excited about the new announcement. You kind of want to get the new card if you're, you know, that kind of person. But then you're like, I know there's going to be a more powerful one in like four months. So I probably shouldn't. It sounds like they're actually uh, not doing that this time. Uh, and the real time ray tracing, which is the big new feature of these 2080 cards, uh, looks real nice. I don't think there's anything that actually does it yet. But uh, this and um, improved VR performance, I'm kind of excited to see what NVIDIA is going to announce. And uh, my wallet is uh, running aw- r- away from me around the house, trying to get away from me. But I'm like, I'm going to get you, wallet. I'm going to get you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still on a 970. I've been holding out. And nice. Bring, bring on the new cars because it is time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, uh, Tim, are you uh, are you like a newest, latest, best, got to have it, got a uh, techno lust guy? So I'm actually kind of weird when it comes to gaming on graphics cards, etc. I literally know like two things. That's how to plug it in and hope that it works and say that my game looks beautiful. So <laughs> I, I was reading about some of the updates here, and it seems like the main focus on these type of cards is that lighting is to become more dynamic, apparently, uh, which is going to help. Um, of course, make your games look a little bit more explosive. So I'm excited for that. And I did read a little bit about VR being affected by this, which makes me excited because there are moments when you're streaming VR that even my 1080 is struggling just a little bit to broadcast it out there. So I'm hoping that strength might be a little bit better. Um, but overall, new stuff is cool. The, the the big new feature VR-wise, my understanding, again, we're these are kind of leaked rumors and it'll all be confirmed probably by the time you hear this. So we may be, maybe a little wrong. I doubt it. It sounds pretty confirmed, but I guess the big thing with VR is that there's this new thing they're calling virtual link. I think okay. it's like a plug. So it makes it a, like a single plug solution for VR, which I think is awesome. Oh, uh, oh so it's yeah. just like a, like, like an HDMI port in the back. It's just, an, it's, it's a just port. Yeah. Yeah. It's an alternative to HDMI, right? It's a it's a display port that will do everything. Because right now your VR headsets, most of the PC VR headsets require both HDMI and then like 12 USB <laughs> ports. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're trying to simplify that. They're trying to make that the new standard, oh, which is great. I think it's that would welcome. be nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, I guess the TI is uh, 70% more powerful than the base 1080, which is pretty amazing. Um so, you know, these are these are a big step up as far as uh, horsepower and uh, that real-time ray tracing feature. 
uh, if you guys saw that Star Wars demo that they did at Unreal, Unreal uh, displayed at the, I think it was GDC maybe. I can't remember which oh, event. Don't bring it was. up Battlefront Two. You're gonna wound my heart, man. <laughs> well, then no, they showed like a new. I guess it was assets from ba- Battlefront Two, but it was like done with the real time ray tracing. I mean, yeah, it looked beautiful. like the movie. It was yeah. insane. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, and before I move on, I'll just bring up one more story that I think is interesting because uh, you guys seem like you were playing games in the PS2 generation. Uh, THQ Nordic acquired the rights to Time Splitters and Second Sight. Uh, we don't have an announcement of any new installments in those games, but they now own the IP. And you have to assume that if they went through the trouble of getting the IP, they're going to maybe introduce new installments of those games. Any uh, nostalgia for either Time Splitters or Second Sight on PS2 or Xbox? either you guys i Gary, how about you i i uh, am sad to admit i uh, i missed time splitters even though i had a ps2 back when it was the current generation of console but it was a it was a title that eluded my collection it's a title that i have had recommended to me time and time again uh but the thing is like it's just too old to play nowadays so i hope yeah. that this new one that comes out is gonna be awesome from what i understand their multiplayer or their single player stories were layered so well that you felt like you were in a different story every time you went through a chapter. And so any type of like FPS story games that comes out, I'm excited for. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it would hold up now, but yeah. yeah, at the time it was pretty amazing and it was full of goofy silliness. I mean, there were monkeys and, uh, you know, time travel shenanigans uh, galore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a beloved, it was sort of the spiritual successor to Goldeneye at the time. And it, it, um, you know, it definitely has a, a a place in my heart as a game that I put a lot of time into at the time. I don't I don't think it stands shoulder to shoulder to what FPSs are now, and I'm very curious how they would make that work. I think there'd be a lot of changes necessary, but you know, it's a known quantity. Second Sight, not quite as much. I I don't think that has quite the nostalgia value that Time Splitters does. Yeah, but, I mean, I will, um, I will be honest. I've never heard of Second Sight. Yeah, it was not a great game, in my opinion. I think I know people liked it, but oof, not. I think not I remember great. it as like an X play review. Like you just woke up and you're like, your eyes were covered, but you had these mind control abilities. You're running around with telekinesis, like yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not a great. That's game. funny. Anyway, X play. That's the whole reason I know about time splitters. Is, is right X play exactly. They talk right about time splitters time. all the time. Yeah. Right around <laughs> the time I started watching X play, that that was that game was getting in the review circuit, and they they loved it. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, time capsule (laughs) awesome all right well let's move on and start talking about the games we have been playing but first i want to thank our first sponsor which is brooklinen oh my gosh just yesterday uh we did a big cleaning uh of the house my wife and i cleaned the house a huge we got my my kid's two-year birthday coming up next week so we were like cleaning the house in anticipation of that and washed the brooklinen sheets there is nothing better than getting in my bed with freshly washed Brooklyn and sheets. It's luxury. It's luxury. I am so, I am a person, I always loved sleep, but now I love sleep even more having little kids that disrupt it. So when I crawl into bed and feel the, the nice 
<laughs> high quality luxury of Brooklyn and Sheets. It, uh, it, it's something that I cherish. And I'm so glad that, um, that I have these sheets there. They were, my wife picked out the style. There's all these kinds of different styles that you can pick out. Uh, very attractive looking and they're super high quality, but they're not expensive. They're not as expensive as you would expect from something that feels that great. Cause they don't have this big markup because they're not in stores. You, you go and you buy them online. It's super easy. Uh, these are beautiful home essentials without the crazy prices. And they're also the fastest growing betting brand in the world. There's over 12,000 five-star reviews for Brooklinen, and they were named the winner of best online betting by Good Housekeeping. These, you know, people much smarter and more refined in taste than I uh, have uh, good things to say about Brooklinen as well. I love my Brooklinen sheets and Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for DLC listeners for $20 off and free shipping you can use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. And Brooklinen is so confident that you're going to love their sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee. And not only that, a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and promo code DLC at checkout. Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. Well, uh, Tim, I know you're not playing lots of WoW, but I think we have to start there. Go ahead, because, man. Because uh, my world is uh, a war- Warcraft world again. <laughs> um, um, it, Garrett, Jeff, I'm not sure you. Uh, leave in the same way that I leave the world of Warcraft. Are, are you a cyclical player or do you kind of stay around and play throughout the cycle and, and a, an expansion doesn't bring you back into the fold as much? I definitely play more uh, than usual when new content drops for World of Warcraft, whether it's an expansion or a patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I honestly, End of Warlords was the last time I actually canceled my subscription. So I have been subbed nonstop since the beginning of Legion. Well, uh, for, for me, you know, I played since vanilla. I, I, I tend to play really intensely for uh, several months and then other things come up and I get, you know, I get pulled away in other games and, I let my subscription lapse and then I go, okay, well, it's time to, you know, have a life that's not World of Warcraft. And then a new expansion comes out and I get pulled back in. And I that experience of coming back to this game is so pleasurable. And so it is, it's like putting on an old shoe or returning to your, you know, your childhood home or something. It's just amazing. If your childhood home had like all kinds of new fun things to do, like they put in a new amusement park in your backyard or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's like going back home, but it has moved on without you and it's better than ever before, yet you still know exactly how to get around and do everything. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, th- I think I logged on and I saw that you had level capped already. Is that right? Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. Wait, honestly, I am mad at myself that it took me more than two days to hit the level cap. <laughs> I have to ask you guys, because again, I don't play WoW, but like, how important is it for you in 48 hours to get those 10 levels? Because it seems like that's everyone's goal. I'm literally having everyone tweet out 120, by the way. 120, by yeah. the way. Like, how important <laughs> is that for you guys? 
Uh, for me, uh, in the way that I like to play World of Warcraft, uh, it, it's very important because I have this weird type of... It, it, well, I don't know. It's twofold. One, I love new WoW expansions. Mm-hmm. There's just no... There's no experience like it. It's it's like every friend you have are all down to play the same D&D campaign on the same okay. night. That's what it feels like. Um, so you just want to show up and play that, and it feels amazing. So you want to just keep doing it. And uh, before you know it, there's work to be done that's uh, two weeks old. Um, uh, the other thing is that you know, I like playing more than one game, but there's this weird little mini wowing anxiety that I have. It's like, if I'm not max level, I'm not like, I, I can't put the car in the garage. Uh, <laughs> so I have to have like a max level tune that's like ready to get in on whatever hijinks my, my wow friends are ready to get up to so that I can, at the drop of a hat, you know, all right, let me finish up this Hearthstone game. All right, let me finish up this Heroes game. All right, let me finish up this piece of freelance that I need to get work done for. Uh, and and get in and start raiding or PvPing or whatever. I really like having just a max level tune ready to go. Yeah, there is this uh, push and pull happening, right? Because I find the leveling process to be very enjoyable, and I want to savor it. And you're going to all these new areas in the new expansion, and you're experiencing all this new content, and there's fun story stuff going on in all the different areas. And I I like to read my quests and not just you know barrel through. Uh, but at the same time, literally everything you do before you hit level cap is meaningless. (laughs) It is all just about leveling and, you know, experiencing the content. Yes. But, uh, there is definitely a keeping up with the Joneses thing going when all my buddies are are on and they're all leveling and everybody's, like you said, everybody's texting and tweeting about, uh, what level they just dinged and, you want the, the, the game starts at level cap, right? The real game, yeah. the, the game about getting better gear and leveling up your Azerite armor in this, for this expansion and all the things that you need to do, you know, to get your eye level up to do the end level content doesn't start until you hit level cap. So there is this motivation to get there very, very fast, but I also, I really like seeing everything and I like, uh, not trying to rush through and not trying to, you know, miss out on any cool nuances or fun jokes that Blizzard has put in. Uh, like I found, um, I'm sure you saw this, Garrett. Uh, I found uh, Winnie the Pooh uh, the other night. In one of I, the I did not find Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I did find uh, Dart the Demi Dog, though. Oh, I haven't seen the Demi Dog. That's uh, funny. You get a you get a pet at some point. Spoiler alert! And his name is Dart, and it's clearly it's clearly a demi dog from Stranger Things. Amazing, yeah, um, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same, I'm more or less in the same boat as you. But the thing I do now though is, is like I, I just can't help myself. I more or less race my first tune through to 120, and then it just becomes Alta Palooza, and I really <laughs> take my time and read all the quest text on my on my second level. Right. Well, so having said that, what What's your take on this expansion and what are your favorite things? Are there any things that disappoint you or you wish they had done better? I mean, I talk about video games for a living now. So there's, I always have good and bad things to say, (laughs) (laughs) but, but uh, I I got it like out the gate. It is an extremely strong start in in my opinion. Uh, I've just been very surprised. I came in with a lot of expectations um, of things I would like and things that I would not like. And um, it's been a lot of positive surprises pretty much across the board of things that I, I didn't think were really going to land for me. And, and instead are some of my favorite experiences uh, that I've had in over a decade of this MMO. Yeah. I mean, I have been impressed on a visual level, how the game looks 
like a modern game, a contemporary game, it, it, the, the work that they have done on this engine to be able to convey story in cutscenes, to be able to have these wonderfully lit, wonderfully realized areas uh, on, on a 14 year old game is, is pretty spectacular, but also, you know, the game, the, the, the playing of the game has gotten more sophisticated, more streamlined, I think better. Um, the new, the big new features of this expansion are, uh, you have this new kind of armor that actually has, uh, special talent trees of its own. Um, you know, your characters always have had talent trees, but now you have this special Azerite armor, which is powered by an amulet you get at the very beginning of the expansion that you level up by getting this thing called Azerite. And as you level it up, the special armor pieces that are linked to it will unlock new abilities. And each of the armor pieces has unique little talent tree that you can select between. So even um, even armor pieces and gear that has the same eye level, that is ostensibly the same level of power, uh, you have choices between those items because they may have different specific abilities that will unlock, uh, which I think is a really clever way to add even more variety to your loadouts. Yeah, this is this was, you know... To me, it reminds me of both the artifact and the legendary system from Legion. Right. Uh, legendaries, you can only, I think, had, if I remember correctly, two at a time equipped, and they had unique abilities that sometimes augmented your 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 talents, uh, as well as your artifact weapons, which had their own talent trees. Um, you know, a, a quite a quite a ways back now, uh, World of Warcraft went and simplified their talent trees from what they started as all the way back in vanilla. Um, and you know, a lot of players liked it, but there's, you know, a a decent group of the player base that thought that some of the nuance of the game had been lost by the simplification of the talent trees. And I, I think what we've been seeing with things like artifacts and legendaries in Legion and now artifact armor in, uh, in BFA is, is a really cool learning experience uh, on the part of the the world of warcraft team uh, in the design of their game to, to give you a little more nuance in how you talent out your character, uh, without it being too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, there aren't an overwhelming number of d- decisions to make. There are a few, but they're, they feel impactful and they feel cool. That's the, that's the most important part is that, um, you know, they give you abilities that seem neat when you get them, which is, it's, it's huge. You know, it, it makes getting a new piece of armor, not just, Oh, I get six of these instead of five of these, you know, it's six healths six strengths, six agilities, whatever it is. You know, there's so much of the history of WoW. It's like, it's just, you know, plus one to all of these stats instead of feeling like something actually cool is happening, which is what's happening now, I think. Yeah, it's, it's the most I've enjoyed and, and been excited about getting gear from leveling in a, in a while. Like I was, you know, you're now going from 110 to 120 if you're at the beginning of this expansion and ready to go. Um, and you know, I could be like 113 and I was really stoked about the new chess piece I got because it's going to augment one of my abilities in a, in a very meaningful way. And I get to choose which ability I want augmented. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool stuff. They also, uh, one of the other big, uh, new features is this expedition, um, uh, mode, I guess what you could call it. Yeah, Island expeditions, uh, uh, randomly generated content for world of Warcraft, taking a, taking a piece out of Dia- uh, taking a page out of Diablo's book almost. Yeah. Yeah. But like procedurally generated islands that you go to that, uh, you can you know, find cool stuff, get into cool encounters. 
Um, I've just started doing a little of that. What is your experience with, with that? Uh, part of the I, I have only done one honest to god one mm-hmm. uh, if you do the intro quest you go and do one by yourself it's not it's not the real experience it's kind of just giving you a very very like mini tester of what right. it's going to be like uh, but i just did one today and my experience was it was a lot harder than i thought it was going to be we barely beat it yeah yeah it, it's cool and uh dynamic and infinitely replayable as you know because it's randomly generated so it's just a really cool aspect to bring into that kind of game because, you know, WoW traditionally has been a thing where you do things that you know very, very well over and over and over again. And it's still fun, but to do stuff that that has surprise still in it, I think is is a pretty cool uh, addition to the game. Um, yeah. I, I've done only a couple of dungeons so far. I, I have not hit level cap yet. I'm 117, but because uh, I have two kids, Garrett, two kids. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, the two dungeons that I've done so far have been so inventive and so fun. There's one that's basically the haunted mansion from Disneyland, which is just, I haven't done that one yet. What? I keep that sounds awesome. I want to play now. It's incredible. And, and it, you, the way you progress through this mansion, which is full of ghosts and yeah. ghouls and goblins, and it's really funny and fun, uh, is that doors magically unlock as you clear out certain areas, but different doors unlock different times. It's, it's random. So uh, it, d- it does feel like you're making your way through this haunted mansion in a way you're not really sure which which direction you're going next, uh, which is cool. Um, and then the other one I did was like this total Cthulhu. There's a big Cthulhu element of the Alliance side of, uh, of this expansion. And um, it's awesome. I mean, it's very like, you know, ancient ones and tentacles and uh, mind yes. control and stuff. It's so good. I'm so glad that the old gods are back. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite motifs in uh, in the larger Warcraft lore. So, I mean, we both obviously love it. We're both hooked. Um, it's it's taken over my life. It's all I want to do. I, I don't want to <laughs> be a parent anymore. I just want to go play World of Warcraft. Um, but... My question to you, Garrett, is, is one I've asked quite a few people uh, lately, and that is, how long do they get to do this? How long does Blizzard do this? Uh, is World of Warcraft, does it have an expiration date? Is there a time when they can't revitalize it with new expansions? Do we need, is, is there going to be a World of Warcraft 2 someday? I, I just don't see it with the way the development cycle for this MMO has played out. Uh, and also the way that the, the decisions made by other MMOs have played out MMOs that have decided to slap a number two after their name. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, Guild Wars being about the only exception I can think of. However, it's a rather large exception. Guild Wars two is awesome uh, and rather successful. Don't forget about but RuneScape. You look at what... Yeah. RuneScape. It, did a sequel. it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but just the, I mean, what did you start off talking about, Jeff? You started talking about how good the engine looks and how amazed you are with how they've been able to update this engine to the point where it looks like a game that was released in 2018. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, yes, it doesn't look it, like God of War, you know? No, no, but it could. Right, but for a <laughs> for a game that is aiming for painterly illustrated style, right? It couldn't look much better than this. Yeah, yeah, that's not uh, you're not wrong, and it, and uh, they've they could do with updating animations. They could do. I mean, there's still definitely room to make it feel even more modern, but um, it it 
if you only see these new areas of the game, it is, it does not feel old. It does not feel out of date. It is uh, yeah. impressive. Yeah. I, I, I always go back to, uh, I always tend to go to car analogies because I'm a little bit of a car nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the way I look at, especially a lot of Blizzard games, because you see this with the fact that uh, there are still people against the terms of service playing private servers of vanilla. There are people clamoring for, for classic servers so much to the point where Blizzard is actually going to go back and make classic World of Warcraft and put it out officially. Um, you, you see it when how Brood War is still played professionally. Uh, this this desire of uh, or this existence of a large player base that still want to keep playing games that are in some cases going on 20 years old right and and i i can't help but like draw a line like a parallel to to cars like there are a lot some there are uh, you know a lot of folks right now talking you listen to a lot of tech shows you know self-driving cars are coming uber and lyft have taken over there's no need to own a car anymore and yet there's a lot of folks who are enthusiasts about about cars and and whatever whatever form that manifests in uh, whether it's you know learning how to race, going out to a local track and racing your car, or just learning how to work on them, or whatever it is, cars don't really change that much, and it's <laughs> and it's it's what you do with them that makes it exciting, and that's how I feel about World of Warcraft. The base control, and uh, you're we both know, uh, we all know my friend Kyle. The thing he and I talk about all the time is tab targeting, because at the end of the day, World of Warcraft is still a game uh, that goes off of the old school MMO trope of tab targeting, and that. And while it is old and kind of busted and there are better ways and, and more intuitive ways uh, to interface with the video game nowadays, it, it's not broken and it still works. And there's this com- comfortable feeling that comes with revisiting Azeroth if you've, uh, if you've played it before. And I think they updated enough to make it interesting for players that have never seen it before. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's how I feel as well. It's it's amazing that they're able to to do that, but I I just don't know. You know, is it we're at one thirty and one forty and one fifty, and at a certain point, it's like, do we just it just keeps going on and on and on? I guess, I guess, yeah. I, I, mean, I like keep it. Doing, <laughs> you know, they keep doing stat squish, squishes. Our right. our damage numbers are are not in uh, absurd. They, right. they might have, at some point just do a level squish. You're like, we're going back to sixty. We're throwing the switch. <laughs> I mean, that I would like be the, interesting. It's like the answer to the question is when when do you guys stop subbing to the game? Right? Like, right. Yeah. You guys are coming back every expansion. You're excited for it every time, and it feels like it's getting better and better. And if it keeps doing that, like, why why would they stop? You know? Yeah, but if you're Blizzard, like that's too late. Right. That's you got to start anticipating that, don't you? You got to, you know, you you can't keep making buggy whips, uh, you know, when people are, you know, driving their Model T's. I mean, personally, like, I don't think MMOs in their current form or whatever, a new one can come out and do as well as well ever. I feel like the next big step, and this is me being a VR nut, I think it's going to be in VR. That's where you're going to see that explosion of a new MMO that can come forward. I think it's where Blizzard can make that step, right? Where it's like, here's a VR or a mobile game that is an MMO that takes everyone's lives and runs it there. Yeah. I, I don't want to... Put me in a Space Marine suit, please. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead too far, but have you played Orbis VR yet? I, I dabbled in it a little bit. It quite wasn't there, but I like where they're going. Yeah, it's close. And they're doing a big update, like um, improving the visuals a lot. But like the 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 classes in that game, mm-hmm. how different each class is from the other, I mean, how one class is its own mini game and another class is just wildly different than that. I just found that to be really the cool. The bow and arrow. I was running that for a little bit and shoot every yeah. single arrow. 
but then like mage, you let literally have to craft runes in the, in the yeah. air with your hands and, um, you know, a, a fighter, you have to actually swing hard and you get like it, <laughs> the people that play the game a lot have, I've heard that you literally have to be like a fighter to play the fighter. You have to have stamina, not, in your character, in yourself, I because said, yeah. it, it takes stamina to be a fighter, which is like, that's kind of rad. You, you wake know? Like, up that's... and run two miles, and then you play some Morbis, you know? That's the daily <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk some other games. I know, um, looking at your uh, Twitter feed, Tim, that you have just completed Nino Kuni 2 yeah. Revenant Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Fun little RTS. Uh, what I really appreciated about that game, I don't know if you guys have played it, but um, it's a gorgeous game. It looks mm. like, I don't know what to compare it to, maybe like old Akami, but like HD-wise, right? Just beautiful colors everywhere. Um, and I was kind of feeling the mood to just jump into an RTS and spend three days just powering through it. Um, and I did that with Nino Kuni 2. Um, it's not the most explosive JRPG I've played. Like, granted, I'm not like an expert. Uh, but it does everything. Like, there's elements of RTS in the game. There's city builders available. There's fast-moving combat, very similar to Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy XV. Um, so that was a lot of fun to play. Uh, on the other side, too, the there's some, like, small FPS elements and boss fights, too, as well. So it's like a good like 30 to 40 hours of gameplay. So I sat down and played that one, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, I don't know why I throw out numbers, but I decided to start like reviewing things. Uh, felt pretty good cool. there. But I don't know. Have you guys like tried that game at all? I have, yeah. Um, I I thought it was – I bounced off of it a little bit. I did not finish it. Um, I, uh, I found it to be fun. I just thought that it's an amazing thing where you can play a game for 10 hours and then they're like, okay, here's what the game really is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a, it takes a long time to sort of unveil everything about it. And, you know, there's a, there's a whole long stretch where you're collecting all these items. And you're like, why am I collecting all these weird items? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I've been opening chests and picking up bits and pieces of stuff for a long time with no use for it whatsoever. And then it's like, oh, no, you own a castle. All these things are essential. Glad you picked them up. <laughs> you yeah, know, you got to build all this stuff. I will say yeah. the, the critical thing I had of it walking away is I had to turn the difficulty up a couple of measures because it's way mm. too easy uh, for a JRPG. Um, yeah. But if you want like a simple nice story that gives you a lot of small things to do to just keep yourself busy. I felt like it really did feel that niche of here's an animation style type of JRPG. Enjoy until a big one comes out like Dragon Quest 11 in a couple weeks. Yeah. I wish that the game had been more consistent with how it presented its story. Like there are times that are fully voice acted and then there are times yeah. that are not voice acted. And then there's like fully animated segments and then there's not, you know, it'll like cut to, just text for a second and then back to animation. Sure. It's a very, it's very, you know, uh, cut and paste oh, that way. Place. You're giving me flashbacks. Yeah. Like you'd be in the middle of a conversation and then it would go into text and all you would hear is one element of dialogue. You would hear the main character go, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay. It's like, <laughs> no, just like give me the view or give me nothing. You know, like, I, right. I don't know. I don't know who went with that decision. So yeah, there's a couple of things in that game that kind of pull away from how amazing it could have been. But overall, like I said, it's it's a decent game. If you want to pick something up, if you want to enjoy yourself for a good 30, 40 hours, it's it's awesome in that regard. So again, that's Nino Kuni 2, Revenant yes. Kingdom. Uh, what else is on your playlist, Tim? For me, personally, dude, I've been going through this like phase in my life where like Hero League is just kicking my butt everywhere I go uh, in mm. Heroes of the Storm. So I've been trying to like power through other games. One game in particular that jumped up for me was Metal Gear Rising. That game actually came out a few years ago. 
But that game yeah. is an adrenaline rush, and I wish there were more <laughs> games like that. Like, incredibly awesome combat. The parry system is beautiful. Uh, it, it doesn't really explain fighting that well to you, but the moment that it clicks, you actually feel like you're Genji in a regard, right? Um, <laughs> right. Like, you, ah. you actually feel like a cyborg ninja just destroying everything. You're fighting monsters that are bigger than Shadow of Colossus, right? You're dusting around these huge team fights. And the best part, too, is the soundtrack. They actually mixed heavy metal with 20 to 25 different songs, and then based on how you were fighting at that moment, they pull that song in seamlessly to hype you up in that moment, which was such a mind-blowing moment for me. Um, I don't know. I, I wish more games would come out like this. The only one that I could find similar is Bayonetta, but I feel like Bayonetta doesn't quite hit the mark like this one. But it's from the same studio, so... Yeah, yeah, Platinum Games, yeah. yes. Great combat. Yeah, it, it always reminded me a little bit of Devil May Cry as well, but yeah. not, still not quite the same. There's a there's a special sauce to Metal Gear Rising that, that no other game has really tapped into. I wish there were more like that. I, I would play those every single weekend, man. I just I got so hyped fighting, or fighting team fights. Like, when I actually finished the game, I was just sad. I was like, I have, I have nothing else. Like, this is done. This is my life. Like, I'm going to go to bed, and I'll see you guys <laughs> tomorrow. And I turn my stream yeah. off. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Bayonetta because I've never played it. And like a couple weekends ago, I was I was I saw my brother and he had it on a Switch, and I was just like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." Oh, suddenly, I was just zapped back to like PlayStation Two, <laughs> high school, Devil May Cry yes. until four in the morning, and, she's and so now I need to buy Bayonetta and play it. I think the second one's on the Switch, and there's a third one coming too. But those type of games, yeah. I'm starting to jump into. So if you have any recommendations, please let me know. Because uh, I'm really starting to enjoy these like hack and slash with amazing protagonists that are kind of all over the place in terms of fight styles. Right. Um, uh, w- w- the one that just jumped out of my head is the one that everybody's going to mention. And it was a big game last year. Uh, uh, Near Automata. Have you played that? <laughs> no, I heard about it. Have Have you dabbled? I have, yeah. I think if you like Metal Gear Racing, I think you would dig it. It's It's a little more. It's sort of a. It's a little kind of a cross between Metal Gear Rising and Nino Kuni in, a, in an odd way. Um, I think you should give it a shot. I think you would dig it. See, here's um, my issue with these games. Uh, do they go too far into Dark Souls in terms of this is just needlessly hard just to beat you up? No, I don't think that game okay. does, but there are – I know what you mean. Uh, I don't think uh, Nier does. Nier is is cool because it's like 12 different games all at once. It, it, it changes the kind of game it is over and over and over on you, which is really fun, but it's always very kinetic and high speed and it sort of a, has a samurai aesthetic and, you know, cyber ninja uh, feel to it. I, th- I think you'd dig it. All right. You sold me. I'll play it. Um, I, you did bring up something interesting though, that I'd love to dig into a little deeper, which is, you know, you're, you're casting HGC and you're playing lots of heroes of the storm all the time, which by the way, we have to talk about a little bit because I have you guys here and I'm going to geek out on that game. <laughs> but I love the idea of, of you sort of needing an, an alternative or a, a break from that game and looking for other kinds of games to give you, you know, what is it? It feels to me like a big, fast, kinetic game wouldn't feel like a break to uh, sure. Heroes of the Storm. But what, what is it that you're looking for when you're trying to find something else to, to play? I mean, it's just a different genre. Uh, when you yeah. play Heroes of the Storm, you're constantly in the state of, I need to be a team player. I need to be understanding draft. I need to be helping my teammates out. And Hero League, uh, which is the competitive mode for Heroes of the Storm, 
Um, and then when you compare that to what you see in HTC, there's kind of this weird difference between how the game is played in Hero League compared to how it's actually played at a competitive level in terms of full teamwork, which is I think the game shines its best, right? Uh, so mm. trying to bridge those two gets a little tiring for me personally. When I'm playing it 8 to 10 hours a day, it's just, it's just like a job, right? Like it drains you down. Like I'm studying these numbers. I'm trying to figure out how to make the game really work together. Um, so having an outlet to remember why I'm streaming or remember why I'm playing certain video games has been really important to me, especially in the last couple months. And that's why I go into these other games and just play them. I mean, Metal Gear Rising, sure, was high kinetic, but I've also slowed down a little bit and played a game like Owlboy, right? Or Shovel Knight. Hmm. Just having something different, just different flavors kind of cleanses my palate and lets me come back to my main main game, which is essentially my job, right? So just got to be on point and mix it up. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about heroes while I have you guys here. Um, what do you, both of you, what do you think, how do you think the game is doing? What? How do you feel like where we are? I know, Garrett, you talk about this every single week on Into the Nexus, which I listen to, but um, how do you feel like the state of the game is right now? I mean, it, this exact moment, if you were to put your finger on, I think the pulse of the game, especially if you look at any of the public forums where it's discussed, um, we are we are in the middle of a rather you know crushing weight of hype from other Blizzard games, specifically World of Warcraft and Hearthstone, sure. because they've both released massive game changing expansions this weekend. And when World of Warcraft puts out an expansion, it there is nothing else coming out of Blizzard that that is like it because it, it's like I think I look at World of Warcraft as this last bastion of old school Blizzard, um, right? Whereas uh, Heroes and Overwatch is this kind of this new this next generation of um, esports focus, you know, from from the get go. Not you know, or we're not sure. Maybe it'll work. They they knew out the get go that you know this was going to be a com- these were going to be competitive games whereas world of warcraft is getting back to the roots of uh i just want to play a game that looks like an 80s heavy metal album cover um so yeah. like a lot of the conversation uh that i saw this week like on the hero subreddit and whatnot we're talking about how this game needs to be uh advertised and uh, why where's the marketing right now and i'm i'm just sitting here going this is the worst time to market it let 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 the wow nerd let us all have our moment with our our fresh new coat of paint on world of warcraft it's fine we'll all be back in like give us three to four weeks it's okay <laughs> right yeah that's that's my experience my personal experience is like uh, my i i have a hard time playing more than one blizzard game at once yeah uh, heroes will always be my mainstay but when there's something new and shiny out it it impacts my heroes time and so uh yeah i'm probably part of that statistic of the people that are like you know not not as present uh in the <laughs> in the queues <laughs> uh, <laughs> right you know? right right but but overall like to take that kind of uh, flavor of the week discussion out of the picture uh, I find Heroes of the Storm uh, to be in a, in a really healthy spot. Like I, I've just been, I've been extremely happy with the direction the game has been heading, especially since the start of the year. We had a big patch right before Christmas. Things were buggy. Things were weird. Also, it was the holidays. Folks weren't in the studios patching out issues. Uh, and the the start of the year for Heroes kind of start got off on the wrong foot, especially with kind of community feedback. Uh, but like overall, like especially going back from you know looking at the beginning from the tech alpha to now, the amount that that Blizzard works on this game, the amount of effort that goes into it, and the regular updates, it's it's insane. Especially like the two main games I cover are Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm. 
Hearthstone, its expansion, and then they like all lock themselves in their tower and we don't hear from them again for <laughs> a long time. And then Heroes of the Storm, day in and day out, it's like the, the development team is there in the trenches with the players figuring things out and taking suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Tim? How, how are you feeling? How is HGC going? What's the vibe? Uh, I have a couple of different looks at the game. Uh, first off, HCC, I think, is in a pretty solid spot. I mean, we have some of the highest level of competition going on right now. I think we're all excited and pumped for BlizzCon as we gear up the next five weeks to see who exactly is going to be competing for us. I think over in Europe, we have Dignitas, who is looking to compete against Genji, who proved that they are the best in the world at MSB, but only by one game. Dignitas was right behind them the entire time. Uh, so we're looking forward to that rematch. And then, of course, as we went through our redevelopments of teams in the middle of the year. Everyone's starting to finally hit their strides, starting to hit their perfect competitive nature. Uh, so in HCC world, I think everything is looking great uh, in terms of our teams really putting out their best foot forward for being able to show what high-level Heroes of the Storm is like. Um, so I'm looking forward to that week in and week out. Like That's the highlight of my week, casting HCC, watching these teams compete um, through all three of the regions. Uh, for Hero League, which is the main mode for, um, I guess what you would call um, hardcore competitive players. Um, Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think for the most part, it's solid at all levels, but when you get to the higher levels of Heroes of Storm, there's some glaring issues that need to be resolved. And, I mean, Blizzard's aware of it. They've mentioned that they're going to have some uh, patches coming out. It's been a little too long in my mind. I feel like these issues have been here for two to three seasons. Um, so mm. I'm hoping that with the next season, we finally have some solutions coming in. For me personally, I want to see Duo Q. I want to see profiles if it's available so drafting can be more important to the individual player. Uh, things like that are what I'm looking forward to. But I do agree with Garrett that the development team is always hands-on. They are there in your Reddit threads, forums, on Twitter, always talking about the game. They care about this product because it does feel a little like we might be the red-headed stepchild when it comes to other Blizzard video games. And I mean, that's fair, right? We came into a market or a genre late, um, but we have a beautiful game. We have a great foundation um, I just wish the community would be more aware of that and pointing out how awesome their game is instead of being a little upset that we aren't the biggest Blizzard game, which is right. it's fair to criticize, but we have an awesome game. Just enjoy it because you enjoy it. We don't have to have people telling us, hey, your game is the best game in the world. Now you have as many viewers as Fortnite. Like, just enjoy your game. Right. Um, so that's kind of my statement on it. Yeah, that that's the conversation that I always kind of sit there and scratch my scratch my head about is, yeah. is this desire, this need to be the top game. I've I've never quite understood that, uh, but I also uh, spent a, uh, the beginning of my my podcasting career covering StarCraft Two when Dota Two came in and League of Legends came in and kind of mm-hmm. swept that all out from under us. So I was sitting there being like, "Yeah, but I just like this game. That's fine." But StarCraft Two doesn't need to be as big as League. I don't know why everyone is even having this conversation. It's not the same game. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you bring this up on your podcast all the time, Garrett is, is if there was ever a company that you could have faith in that they would support a game, even if the population drops, it's blizzard, right? It's, it's not like there's any danger of this game just being shuttered, you know, like you might have with some other studios. It feels like, Blizzard is committed over the long term for all their properties. And, you know, they, they, when they put out a patch for like Diablo two last year, you know, it's, it's, they're not three. 
Yeah. And they're not giving up on stuff. Uh, so yeah, it definitely feels weird to be concerned if you're, that your game's not tops of the pops. Yeah. And, and granted, I mean, if we're talking about Blizzard as a whole, yeah, we're, we're kind of fanboys here. Uh, but sure, for sure. But if we're talking about one Blizzard game versus another Blizzard game, it, it, I, I really, uh, uh, I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, Heroes of the Storm to me is the, is the most I've ever enjoyed any MOBA and I have played most of the big ones. Uh, it, so I, I just, I don't know. It's something that's just, I find, I find very odd. I, I, I will also put out, you know, obviously because of the, the, you know, into the nexus and the success of that show and the community around it, I have, I don't have the exact same experience. I think everybody does. Um, right. At the, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I can have a pretty rockin' social experience in that game. Obviously not in hero league, but uh, you know, in every other mode of that game and that, that I'm sure that colors my opinion to a certain degree, but I got to say, having played League, having played Dota, having played Smite, uh, Heroes of the Storm is is the boba I will continue to play. Tim, forgive me for not knowing your backstory, but h- how is it that you became specialized in Heroes of the Storm? Were you a, a Blizzard fan before, or a, w- what happened? Uh, long story short, I was a Halo player, um, competitive, played for money there, and then when MLG, Major League Gaming, started to pull back on Halo and build a little bit more into StarCraft. I decided to follow that path because MLG was my life at the time. So I got into StarCraft, realized that I sucked at StarCraft, couldn't beat anybody, <laughs> uh, despite how much I grinded, my first uh, mouse and keyboard game. Um, wow. So I just started casting because uh, I saw Husky StarCraft actually doing it. And I was like, oh, I could probably do that. That'd be a lot of fun. And just made my way up slowly but surely into casting gigs. Wound up getting hired at IPL, which was a subdivision of IGN. Uh, after I got hired there, it got removed from IGN as they weren't making much money, and Blizzard wound up picking us up. So Blizzard picked us up there. At the time, I was playing League of Legends. They mentioned that they were working on Heroes of Storm, and so I kind of dived into that and been here for five to six years, you know, community management, came back into casting, and so that's currently where I'm at. And then on the side, I've been working on streaming, so just kind of play a little bit of everything. That's awesome. Well, I'm a big fan of you and uh, the entire team Thank that you. does HGC is just stellar. So you guys are doing great, great stuff. Yeah, I watch a lot of SoCal, it. Come to the studio, man. I'll show you around. Well, I happen to live in SoCal, so we're definitely going to make that happen. Yes, let's do uh, that. Yeah, I love it. That'd be fantastic. Um, I'm friends with Gillyweed and and uh, Gilly's other, amazing, uh, dude. I love she's Gilly. Great. Yes. All right. Well, we've kind of uh, geeked out. Uh, Garrett, I want to give you an opportunity. Do you have anything else on your playlist you wanted to bring up? I'd probably Hearthstone, right? Yeah. I will be completely honest. World of Warcraft pretty much cannibalized my Hearthstone time this week. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to be doing some some research for the sake of the show uh, (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Hearthstone's Hearthstone's been interesting. It's um, a much healthier start uh, in terms of the meta uh, at the beginning of this expansion than it was at the beginning of Witchwood. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's good. That's positive. Yeah, yeah. Beginning of which would uh, things didn't really change too much, and there were uh, a couple too many oppressive decks. Now there are some uh, there are some concerns about Druid and Warlock at the moment, but overall there are, is a remarkable amount of uh, different decks and classes you can play right now, uh, and and still and still climb the ladder that are actually competitively viable. It's it's good to see. It's an amazing thing. I mean, I knew this would be a, a very uh, Blizzard-heavy episode. I, I'm, a, I'm a confessed Blizzard fanboy. Uh, I love all their games. Um, but it's a, a particularly amazing time to be a Blizzard fan. If you know, There's so many things happening all at once, 
and uh, they have a panel at Gamescom at the beginning of the week. So there'll be even more excitement to talk about next week. Do you think that Diablo uh, panel is going to be a little bit like a Rage 2 at E3? Like, hey, you already know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Here's Andrew WK. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Andrew WK. Smoothing over leaks since 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's hilarious. All right. I want to talk some VR stuff, but let me thank our second sponsor. I don't like to play favorites with the sponsors, but this is my favorite sponsor. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. I literally cooked Blue Apron tonight before we started recording. I cooked for my family. I cooked a, um, a, a ramen. It was delicious. Amazing ramen. Uh, really fresh ingredients, uh, lots of vegetables. It was delicious, and I absolutely adore. Blue Apron has has changed my life. It has made me into somebody that can cook for my family. I love mealtime. I love sitting down at dinner, having made food for my wife with our kids. It is uh, really given me a skill that has improved my life. And the reason it has done that, the reason I I wasn't somebody that cooked before is because I had a hard time picking what to eat. You know, recipes, you just try to Google a recipe and you get a bazillion things and you have no idea what to make and you don't know if it's good. And then there's a list of ingredients that clearly I'm not going to have in my fridge. So I'll go to the store and I'll buy a bunch of it and then I'll come home and I'll make the recipe and then I've got all this extra stuff that I don't need and it's just going to go bad in my fridge. It's all a pain and Blue Apron removes all of those pain points. You only get exactly the amount of the ingredient you need. If you need one egg, they send you one egg. If you need a tomato, they send you a tomato. If you need a little bit of sugar, they send you a little bit of sugar. It's just what you need. You don't have a bunch of extra that's going to go to waste. And... They have delicious recipes. I already talked about the uh, delicious ramen that I had, but they have all kinds of different diets. They have all kinds of wonderful – it feels like you're eating at a restaurant food. My wife and I always comment to each other about how if we had ordered this in a restaurant, we would think it was a really great restaurant, and yet we made it ourselves. We know what is in it, so it doesn't – it's not full of a bunch of garbage. We saw what we put in it. We know how much salt we put in or whatever. It's amazing. So you get convenience, you get variety. I mean, when I was single, I would just make the same five things over and over again. I I ate like crap because I only knew how to make a a short, small number of things. And I just made them over and over again. Now I'm eating all kinds of different things, a variety of kinds of foods that I would never try. There's a bunch of uh, ingredients that'll come in my Blue Apron pack that I've never heard of. It just makes my life better. And I'm expanding my horizons, eating better. It's more delicious. It's flexible. (laughs) If I'm going out of town, I can just put pause or I can reduce the number of recipes that I get that week. And there's 12 recipes every week I can choose from. It's fun to go in there and select which recipes are going to be coming to me. I I honestly begged Blue Apron to sponsor the show because I love them so much. They have uh, summer great for grilling recipes where they show you how to do it both on a stovetop and on a barbecue. If you've got one of those, it's, it's great. So Check out this week's menu and then let us give you your first three meals for free by going to blueapron.com slash DLC. That's blueapron.com slash DLC, B-L-U-E-A-P-R-O-N.com slash DLC. Get your first three meals free. Try it. I think it'll change your life like it changed mine. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Virtual reality. 
Oh, I'm so excited to talk a little VR. Uh, Tim, where would you like to start? Can I talk about my three favorite VR games that I've played, period? Yes, okay, yes, absolutely. Okay. First off, you and I discussed this one a little bit on the side, and you apparently announced this as Game of the Year for you last year, Lone Echo. The yes. best single-player experience on the Rift. I can't believe oh. more people are talking about this game. Like, Preach, brother! They put you in space for eight hours! Like... Every other game yeah. that you play in VR, it feels like a demo, right? You, like, you jump into it, they move you around. Okay, cool, I can mess with things. This game makes you live and breathe like you're in space. And I'm so surprised I've only heard of one to two people that have actually partook in that game. So if you ever get a Rift, please download this game. I can't even explain to you how important and game-breaking this game is for VR. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I have, as listeners to the show know, I have been screaming from the mountaintops in a very similar fashion uh, about Lone Echo uh, since last year. It was my game of the year. Mm-hmm. It is uh, gorgeous. It is uh, unbelievably uh, uh, realistic feeling it's of breathtaking. weightlessness. Breathtaking. Yes, yes. And the movement is incredible. And here's a game where I had pulse-pounding sweaty excitement moments of of real drama and thrills and i never killed anything yeah i never killed anything in this game and yet i was on the edge of my seat i i mean i was standing <laughs> but i was i was uh, you know it is it is thrilling and 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 exciting and it has incredible almost uh, set piece moments uh that I think uh, rival any other experience I've had in a video game, and yet I never had to murder anything or kill any creatures. It it, it is it manages to find ways to put you in situations that are harrowing and exciting, but um, do it in a way that feels like you're exploring a real world, uh, exploring space. It it's yeah, fleshed out. I it's totally agree. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, some games emotionally get you invested, like Life is Strange or some story games that pull you in. You just want to drop all your emotions into it. But this game physically got me invested. I felt like I was part of something. There were moments where I actually had to take my headset off and say, that actually happened. And I felt <laughs> like I was on the moon. Seriously, yeah. I don't want to oversell it because I don't want to get you to a point where you buy it and you're like, this game isn't that amazing. But seriously, if you get a Rift, this needs to be your number one purchase. If you're on a Vive, you can also play it through Revive, which is uh, a third-party program that pulls Rift games over. You have to play it. This will make you believe in VR. Okay, that's game number one. Game number two, Brass Tactics. Have you played this one, Jeff? I have. This is a uh, tabletop RTS, right, in VR. Yeah. This game pulled me out of life for like a week. It's (laughs) such a cool concept. I wish it was more popular because 1v1 games in VRs, because they don't have much population, just doesn't exist that long after release date. You just don't have a player base, right? Uh, But this game, an RTS on a tabletop, feeling like you are a commander in battle, moving your units around, and literally you're watching your opponent move around the battletop trying to fight against you. I don't think there's an experience like it anywhere in gaming um, that you actually see your opponent and you can talk to them while you're beating their face in with arrows and bows and arrows and dragons. (laughs) Like, it's such a fun game. I feel like you need to play that one. If you need someone to play against, hit me up on Twitter. I will come play against you because I need more opponents that are actually good at this game. Brass Tactics is my number two game for sure. I love the fact that you know you you played competitive StarCraft and uh, Brass Tactics held up as far as uh, its core 
mechanics sure. to uh, you know to to that level. Yeah, I mean, the I, I think there was some balance issues with the late game that kind of annoyed me, but I understand mm-hmm. why they're there. Um, simply because there are some limitations with VR, but they are close. And I felt like if they maybe extended their late game a little bit more, it would be a completely fully balanced game to where you feel like you could compete against your opponent. Um, I, I, again, it's I can't believe they pulled RTS off in VR. So check that out, Brass Tactics. I love I love the clockwork aesthetic of that game yeah. too. Like everything, like gadgets and, and stuff. Yeah. That's so neat. That's the funny part too. You're in RTS and you're over here like trying to build out rocketeers and stuff to beat up your opponent, and then you catch something that looks beautiful and you can zoom in on it and look at the little pieces. <laughs> Such a well crafted yeah. game. Awesome. Last one. Number three. Yeah. Beat Saber. I mean, I feel like everyone talked about Beat Saber. DDR with lightsabers. What's more to say about that game? The best part about yeah. this one, though, is the modded community around it. They are taking songs left and right and modding their own tracks. So you literally have two to 3,000 different songs to play at your discretion. You can sit in your living room, black everything out, and just kill things with lightsabers. I mean, what more do you want? Yeah, it's pretty special. The, my only complaint about that game is that I have to play with a towel under me. <laughs> yes, you because smell like crazy. I get so sweaty. Uh, sweat no, saver it's, for it's definitely a cardio workout. <laughs> sweat saver. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I totally uh, I totally concur. Three excellent choices. I I have to admit I did I have not played as much Brax Tactics as you as you have. I I should return to that. I I never played against another human being. Oh really? Uh, because I was. I was scared of that, well, but uh, it sounds really fun. That's fine, too. I mean, they had some good co-op games. I mean, they had co-op games. They had single-player experience already. I mean, yeah. they had, uh, gosh, what's his name? Littlefinger as one of the voice right. actors. as like one of their selling points. Like, you could beat Littlefinger. I don't yeah. know. Great game. Um, one more. Uh, I, have you played Seeking Dong? I have. Uh, I have. I really liked it. it. It gets a little intense on the um, sort of um, the grind of materials mm-hmm. that you have to get. But uh, I thought that game was very impressive. I think it's one of the first steps in VR of being a console that you can buy that you can spend hours in a game. Some of these games you can't spend too long on uh, just Mm -hmm. because they kind of run out of whatever they have going for them. Uh, This game just gives you 10 to 20 hours of content that you can continue to power through. You can build out your economy. The only thing I didn't like in that game is the running and gunning. That was so awkward. To Mm. You have to take your hands and put a running motion and then pull a gun out while you're running to shoot things. Uh, right. But other than that, I thought it was a beautiful game. I did a lot of backing up and shooting. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's one of the most visually impressive VR games as well. I mean, it, there's so much like ambient life around you. You really feel like you're on these planets and there's all kinds of bugs and critters and stuff everywhere. It's cool. I don't know. I'm looking for more VR games. I think uh, one genre in particular that can do well in VR... Uh, horror games, scary games. Wow. Resident Evil 7 has done well there, but there's also a couple of demos that are about an hour long that just scare the jabezus out of you. Like, you need to play more of these if you have the ability to do so at home, but I want more titles to be announced because I feel like that's one way to get people to buy more of these. I am scared of those yeah. <laughs> experiences. I couldn't finish uh, Resident Evil 7. I played it only in VR, and I was like, I, I can't. I will poop myself. <laughs> I can't finish Resident Evil 7 not in VR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> um, I have some recommendations. I will ask you if you have played these okay. games, Tim. Uh, my first and biggest uh that is a straight up contender for game of the year this year for me in VR. You can play it outside of VR, but in VR subnautica. 
Subnautica was a game that I didn't enjoy off VR, so maybe I try in VR. Is is it the full-fledged game? It's the full game. Wow. It's the full game. And it's awesome because Subnautica is a, a, a survival game where you land on a planet that's all ocean Mm -hmm. and you have to go underneath the ocean and collect things and build things and and you get more and more powerful. It's awesome in VR because you're playing as a character who's literally wearing a mask and is in this like claustrophobic underwater environment and you're actually wearing a mask in VR. So it's a very cool immersive thing. It doesn't support touch controls. It's only a, 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 like a, you know, the Xbox controller, but it still works really, really well. And it is so beautiful and the feeling of exploration all around you, you know, in the Z axis as well, when you're underwater and you're looking all around inside VR, it's spectacular. So how, I do, highly you, how do you not beat Resident Evil 7, but you can play that game? Because that game is terrifying in concept. You're deep in water with aliens chasing you around. Like, that seems terrifying. But I, I could play like a little scaredy cat, okay, Pat. Yeah. I, there's no way to play Resident Evil like a scaredy That's pants because you literally have to sit there as the demon gets closer to you. Uh, Subnautica is like, okay, well, I'm going to make my little uh, – I'm going to build my little uh, air duct and I'm going to have my ship right here. And if anything comes, I'm going to skedaddle away from it. That's how I play. Uh, okay, fair enough. It is time to leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then the other game that I would highly recommend trying, I don't know how, how many people have played this one. It feels like a smaller uh, game that a lot of people have missed. Sirento VR. What is that? Have you heard of it? No. So this is a game where you, and, and again, based on what you said earlier, I feel like this is going to be right up your alley. You play as a cyber ninja, and it. this is the game that made me convinced that whatever all of the first person shooter stuff that we can do on, on a 2d monitor yeah we can do in vr what's it like, what's it again how you spell it sirento s-a-i-r-e-n-t-o e-n-t-o um vr okay and so you know how you know the first year or so of vr there were a lot of games where it's like okay well we're not going to do anything too kinetic too crazy because we don't want people to throw up we don't want to you know we don't want to you can't do the things you would normally do in a first person shooter where you're jumping around and bouncing off walls and all that stuff you can't do that sirento goes oh yes you can yes you can and it's amazing so you've got uh like a machine gun and a sword and you can put them in any combination have two machine guns two swords whatever you want to do so you got you know you're you're dual wielding awesome stuff in your hands you can leap all around uh, the the map. You do that by pushing a button, and when you leap into the air, you 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 at a, at the peak of your jump, you kind of go into slow motion a little bit, and so you can like jump up into the air, go into slow motion, start shooting a dude in the head, double jump, and then do that again. Wall run off a wall, jump off another wall, get to another level land on the ground and if you as you land if you sort of bend your legs a little bit in real life you know just kind of crouch a little bit as you land you do this slide move so you're like sliding across the ground slicing people with your sword shooting them with your gun (laughs) they're popping loot and power-ups off of them you're collecting all that stuff these giant rooms of death where you're just you know doing a symphony of death it's Awesome. The best it, part about it, these games is you're describing all this stuff, and you feel like you look so awesome while you're doing all this, and we look like such goofballs to people walking in the room. That's, it's true. It's true. The room, just sweating with this VR thing. <laughs> like, that gets but in crazy. VR, I'm a cyber ninja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. You guys aren't seeing this. I'm amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. If, so I, I, I want VR accomplishes is it turns adults back into seven year olds with yeah, towels tied around their neck. Then I am all for it. <laughs> it's me and PE class in seventh grade again. <laughs> I'm looking at the title of this, uh, this game and it's described as the matrix mixed with kill bill sword fighting. I'm in. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I want, I want more VR games to just steal their movement. So, cause it, it kind of isn't the best looking game. It's kind of got a, a clunky story and it's, it's not, you know, it's not a home run all the way around, but they nailed that sense of movement and the ability to like feel it's like when I played Titanfall two or, a, you know, a great first person shooter where I feel like I'm OP all the time. I'm sure. just like obliterating all the enemies all the time or, you know, being awesome in overwatch or something, which I'm not, but you know that kind of feeling, but in VR, it's it's really cool. Added to my cart, I'll play it. This awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, I want to ask you guys some uh, some quick questions, but first, let's thank our third sponsor, which is GameFly. Talking about all these games, it's hard to play everything. GameFly GameFly makes it easier. It is a subscription to video games. It's the best way to buy and rent all your favorite video games, and it puts video games where they belong. In your hands, in the game gamer's hands. Uh, this is a monthly subscription to GameFly.com. What you do is you pick your favorite games from over 9,000 titles. They have all the newest stuff. And they get mailed to your door. And you keep them as long as you want. There's never any late fees or any uh, shipping costs. You just play the game as long as you want. And when you're done, you send it back. They send you the next game on your list. That way you can play everything. You don't have to worry about buying a game, figuring out how you're going to get 60 bucks to buy this or that. It, just keep that monthly subscription going. Play all of the games as long as you want. There are even options to buy a game. If you end up wanting to keep it in your collection, you can just pay a, a reduced fee and buy the game outright and keep it. Plus, Gamefly does movie rentals as well. So if you want to rent movies, you can do it all in one one simple subscription, games and movies. It's as little as 54 cents a day, always free shipping. You can cancel at any time. This is great. So go to GameFly.com slash DLC2 and start your free premium 30-day trial. This is a premium trial that is exclusive to DLC listeners. It gets you two games and or movies at a time. And you can only get that offer by going to GameFly.com slash DLC2. Usually it's just one game, uh, but we got the premium that's what the the number two there is uh, on the on the URL. So GameFly.com slash DLC2. Sign up. Start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days. All right. It's time for some quick questions. Quick, 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 quick questions. Quick, 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 quick questions. Remember, if you want to send in your quick questions to the show to have us answer them, Send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can send any kind of comment or question to the show. But if you label your question quick questions, I'd liable to find them here in the quick question segment. The first comes from Kent from Boston. Kent says, what version of a highly anticipated game do you usually buy? Standard, ultimate, collector's edition. He gives the example of Red Dead Redemption 2, which is highly anticipated, but... Um, I mean, I have several collector's editions of WoW expansions on my shelf. What, uh, Garrett, what, what, uh, edition do you tend to purchase if you're look, really looking forward to a game? 
Uh, it, it really depends on the game. Uh, like I have most of the collector's editions of World of Warcraft, but that was because I collect Blizzard art books and they stopped doing art books with the most recent expansion. So I did not buy the collector's edition. Mm, I know. So sad, right? Yeah, it, uh, it depresses me greatly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, usually just the regular version. How about you, Tim? Uh, for me, I'm usually just pure digital on everything, but there is mm. one game that is the anomaly for me, and that is Kingdom Hearts. When Kingdom Hearts 3 mm. comes out, I am buying everything with that game. I am going to be sick that week, and that is going <laughs> to be my life. Uh, just because that game just takes me back to childhood so much. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I tend to be pretty much just the standard game at this point. Um, but I, there was a time when I bought those uh, those WoW expansions. Mm-hmm. As, as, but at this point, like even those, I go, ah, I, they're too big. Yeah, it's too big. So I don't easy have nowadays. You know, like it's just I don't have room for this kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of depressing. Yeah. The only one I wish I had bought, the one I have buyer's remorse of, is Halo Three, uh, because it got the damn uh, Master Chief helmet and the cat helmet. Yeah, at the time, I didn't realize that that game would be would like have left such an impression on me but man it was like senior year of college i was living with a bunch of my best friends that's like we played so much halo 3 and now i kind of wish i had that helmet sitting around i miss halo so much you bring that up dude like i I feel like online gaming isn't what halo 2 and halo 3 were i guess warcraft does bring that for you guys and that's why you kind of come back to it but these massive communities where everyone is just playing one game i miss those times yeah yeah i mean a lot of it is for me mixed in with being in person playing with playing a game with friends right. and, and that is has it, it's pretty much gone from my yeah. life entirely and i miss it let's have a land at jeff's house you down hey done you guys you guys are invited yes. for sure i know what i'm doing after blizzcon <laughs> <laughs> all right our next quick question comes from shane utke i hope i pronounced that correctly he says uh wondered if you could briefly discuss if you feel it necessary to begin franchises from their beginning the original fallout to start or do you just go with three or four, et cetera? What, what franchises are worth it or not to go uh, in through back through uh, the, the original experience? So, uh, Tim, why don't you start with, with you. Do you? Did you, like, for example, feel like you needed to play Nino Kuni 1 before you played a Nino Kuni 2? Yeah, this is a weird question because uh, it's, it's one that I don't know the answer to, right? I, I, when I was a kid, only played competitive games and that was it i played three or four games up until my 20s and now i'm starting to get to a point where i'm playing these games that everyone has talked about for years nino kuni huh. 2 i wondered if i should play the first one i played the second one didn't have a problem with it understood everything and i feel like most games kind of just drop you in and give you a quick update nowadays so if you see one that kind of gets you excited to jump into their series just go for it you don't have to worry about backtracking especially with some games that are on such different consoles nowadays you can't even get like Bayonetta 2, for example. You can only get Bayonetta 1 on Steam if you don't have a Switch. So just jump into a game if you want to. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Garrett? Uh, it, it so depends on the game. This yeah. is a giant ball of opinion. Uh, <laughs> I would say overall, no. Uh, but I will fight you on things like uh, the the first Red Dead Redemption. Uh, play all the Halos. What's wrong with you? They're amazing. And uh, like freaking Last of Us 2 is coming out soon. Uh, I cannot imagine playing that game having not played Last That's of Us 2. That's true. Last of Us 2 is amazing. You have to play that yeah. game. Yeah. But also, same studio, Uncharted, screw it. Just start playing. You know enough about the character. Just start playing whatever oh, Uncharted you're interested in. I would have put Uncharted as one of those games that 
benefits from knowing all of the games, but I, I'm definitely in the camp of just play it because, uh, you know, even like, uh, the new Tomb Raider comes out and it's literally the third game of a trilogy of her, you know, progressing from game to game. Still, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. It's, you don't, and games like Fallout, they're really standalone stories. I mean, they're, they are just, the milieu is really the only thing that is is cohesive. Oh yeah, story to story. I, I, I mean, if we're talking Bethesda role playing games. That's like asking, do I need to uh, do a read through of every D and D campaign ever played before I start mine? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely don't feel like you miss. People ask me that all the time. With like, you know, do I need to play all these games before? I, I don't really don't think so. I don't think so. Nope. nope. Just play the game. Definitely play yeah. the first Need for Speed though before you play the rest. <laughs> yeah, you got to play all the Need for Speeds uh, before you can play it, and all the Maddens. You oh, will not understand. Yep. You will not understand the newest Madden unless you go back and play all the Maddens. Oh yay! Yep. This time you get a tackle ability upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next two questions come from the same person. This is Damien, who says, uh, "Hearing your discussion last week about WoW being 14 years old with countless expansions, I can't help but feel intimidated to jump in as a new player." It's kind of related to the last question we had. Uh, I always wanted to play WoW, but now I feel like I missed the boat. What games have you always wanted to play, but that give you the same feeling so you don't, you just don't bother? Garrett, do you have any games like this where you're like, I look at it from afar and you go, I, I wish I could play it, but I just, I, it's moved past me. Oh, God. Um, any of the insane spaceflight sims? Uh, being uh, currently still made, but somehow you can pump a bunch of money into it and play it, or you can buy it like a retail copy. Oh, uh, um, Star Citizen. Uh, Star Citizen, yeah. yeah. Star Citizen or uh, the the other one. Uh, so, really- that game's not even out yet, and you feel like you, I, you I missed the on. boat. Citizen. I bought into Star Citizen. I, I tried playing it, and I'm like, I've missed the boat. I don't have the patience for this. Are you talking about EVE Online? Uh, not EVE Online, but EVE Online is... Elite Dangerous? Elite, Elite Dangerous is the other one, yes. I own Elite Dangerous. I have put a decent amount of money in the Star Citizen to start trying to play it. Both of those games, I just... that's the It's the first time, gentlemen, I have ever truly felt old. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you. It's going to happen more and more. I, I can't do it. I do not have the patience to learn that system. I Just let me yeah. fly my ship and shoot things. Well, but the, like those games are for people that like that. Like they want it to feel like they're learning a skill. You know, they want it to feel like they're they're a spaceman in the in real space instead of an arcade game player. Yeah, I I want X Wing versus Tie Fighter. That's what I want. Right. And uh, well, that's that's uh, that's um, E Valkyrie. That's what that is. Ah, that's that game is. Real I should fun. probably try that then. I know it's got a lot of bad press around it, but Star Wars Battlefront Two. Have you played? the the flight simulations in those oh oh i buy everything star wars the day it comes out they're actually really well done uh yes they they are they are real solid i would just like a game that is just that don't cut half of it with being on the on the ground give me it on Mm -hmm. pc with joystick controls and that'd be the only part of the game nice yeah uh what about you tim you having a a a game like this where you look at it from afar and you go ah not for me i share the sentiment about wow i've tried once Mm. to play world of warcraft i played with my friend i made a blood elf rogue rogue he was beautiful he had blonde hair green eyes he was great (laughs) we went out into the starting zone i fell into water and i didn't know how to swim i drowned and i quit playing the game i feel so (laughs) behind when it comes to wow with all the expansions all these stories (laughs) 
I've tried to catch up by watching cinematics, and I enjoy them. They're beautiful. I love some of the stories. In fact, the reason why I know about Illidan is because of Heroes of the Storm. I went and read the Wikipedia. Right. I love the anti-hero story about him. But actually playing this game is too intimidating. I can't jump into it, and I don't know how to. So I don't know how to give you any type of pep talk to go play. My favorite, my favorite part about that story is that of all the ways to die in WoW... It's drowning. drowning apparently, which is like the easiest thing in the world. I'm asking my friend because it takes like ten minutes to drown. I'm like, what button do I hit to swim? And she's just laughing at me the entire time on stream. So I'm all blushing out, and no one in chat will tell me how to swim, and I just die. I'm like, you know what? I'm done, and I want to Right. It should probably took you longer to install WoW than it did. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's my story. Yeah, uh, another one, Final Fantasy VII. Like everyone talks mm. about that game and how amazing of a story it is. I watch it and my eyes bleed. Like the graphics are just too old that I can't touch it. Well, this is. I mean, they're doing a they're doing a remaster, so hopefully that'll be that. Yeah. But We're going to be seventy is, by yeah. the time that remaster is finished. Yeah, it's true. But uh, that's one of those things where a game has become better the longer you haven't played it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like I. it. Yeah, it it was huge at the time. It was a big deal, but in it the context of that time, and I think people don't real. And I think that's the same with Shenmue. Like people are like, "Oh, I want to," you know, "Yes, yeah, so Shenmue's back." No, Shenmue only was good because no one had done open world before. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, you know, the, anyway, the, the early uh, it's it's weird, right? Like there's a there's a mid tier or like a midpoint in video gaming, especially like early 3D generation where it really can't be revisited in my opinion uh even with right. nostalgia like i try and go back and play golden eye on my n64 with my cousin like we did in the summers back when that was the new game and it's just it, it sucks the game is not good anymore yeah. yeah there's there's something wonderful about seeing old pixel art but it just that's not the same thing about seeing yeah. old polygon it depends art, on the game you know, too because like you know mario 64 still totally holds up and is absolutely playable and fun that's true. You're right. Uh, my answer to this one, well, it, for a long time it was MOBAs, and really Heroes was the game that broke that through. I, for years, looked at Dota and League and was like, oh, I wish. I just feel like I can't now, but I wish. And then it was like, oh, Blizzard, this company that whose games you really like, is doing a new MOBA, and you can get in from the ground floor. And there's only like 16 characters right now in the alpha, and you can play it. And I'm like. Uh, all right, this is where I learned. This is how I'm doing it. I'm jumping in now, and uh, I will learn how to play a MOBA from this game. Um, but other game, other games that I look at from afar, I feel like there's so many. I mean, I'm sort of like that a little bit with Fortnite. I kind of feel like I just I can't oh, at this point. PUBG I can't. is better. That's okay, Jeff. <laughs> I'm also uh, that's an argument. <laughs> I don't I don't agree with that, but. Uh, and I've always, always, always felt this, and this will this will resonate with you, Garrett. I've always felt this about racing sims because ah. I like driving. I, I'm not a car guy in particular. I like I'm not encyclopedic of my knowledge of cars or lust after cars in particular, but I like driving. And I've always felt like, man, the way people talk about racing games like Gran Turismo and Forza and stuff. I, I envy that and the, the like how it feels like a real car. I have literally never played a video game and gone, this feels like a real car. I just don't understand it. I can't grok <laughs> it. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, honestly, I, I haven't really gotten into racing sims either. But to me, I, I, I feel like I know it's because I need a proper racing setup. I need a wheel. I need, you know, proper pedals and whatnot. It's just not something I have at my home. Right. So I uh, usually stick to something like Forza where I can turn on as many nannies as I would like so that it controls the way I, I need it to with a controller. Right. Uh, and then this one also from Damien, he says, uh, no matter how hard I try, I can't get into turn-based RPG games. I've tried all the required reading, various Final Fantasy games, Chrono Trigger, Paper Mario, Super Mario RPG, Pokemon, Persona, etc. But if you asked me to pick one game I had to play for the rest of my life, it would probably be Earthbound. Something about that game just clicked with me. It's the only one type of that genre that I can sit and play for hours straight. My question is, do you have one game that you absolutely love of a genre you don't typically enjoy all that much? Mm. I am with this. I'm with this emailer, by the way. I cannot stand turn-based RPGs, but I love the original Pokemon Red and Blue. Hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting one. It feels like that's about as bland a turn-based RPG as they come. It comes with a giant dose of nostalgia. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that's fair. Uh, like I was young and it, at, in the right place at the right time for Pokemon insanity uh, in the in the mid '90s, or I guess late '90s for in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, but turn-based RPGs are a, a genre I that don't exist as far as I'm concerned. I I tried getting into Final Fantasy, uh, could not stand it. Um, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I love turn-based, but that's because I'm like a board gamer. Have you gotten Octopath? I, I, like... I have not gotten Octopath. Somehow that missed me. I have a buddy who's been playing it and been telling me like the, how great it is over and over and over again. And Octopath happened about the same time I got uh, a copy of uh, Dead Cells a little early for my Switch. Mm-hmm. So I was like... I already have this addiction on my switch, so I'm not, I don't have time for Octopath. I plan to circle back around, but now wow is in my life. So there's really nothing other than wow happening. Too many good video games. A weird problem. It's a, yeah, first, first world problems, but they're still problems. Uh, Do you have an, do you have an answer for this one, Tim? Uh, Fighting games, fighting games. I just Mm -hmm. don't get the idea of burning out combos left and right, trying to punish my opponent, spending hours trying to execute this perfect, scenario where i get the most damage out i just i can't do it but the one game that i could play for hours in was a uh, dragon ball z fighter or fighter z mm. that game was just beautiful right like i actually felt like yeah. i was goku and i was destroying people and all these amazing uh combos that were kind of built in the game made it a little bit more streamlined for me so i was able to get into fighters and it's kind of weird actually because i enjoy watching fighters like smash i'll watch that all weekend all day every day smash melee but dragon ball z uh, fighter was the only one that I could actually sit down and play. Is that because you were you're into Dragon Ball Z? Like as I think the so. anime? I think so. I think yeah. it's because I'm a little into anime and I, I just like the presentation of the game more than I enjoy the fighting, if that makes sense. I, I have as, never yeah. watched uh, fighting games, but I am watching quite a bit of Fighter Z. It looks great. It's beautiful. It is very, very pretty game for sure. Well, that, oh, I, I didn't answer this question. Uh, for me, I, it goes back to racing games again and burnout. Like, oh, I, yes. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, I don't play racing games. I don't love them. I, w- I want to love them, but I don't. Burnout is the racing game that I love because it's not really a racing game. It's a crashing, jumping, go fast game. Uh, and I like the idea of crashing and jumping and going fast. I just don't like the idea of being a precision racer. So, uh, those games I love and would play the crap. I played so many hours of 
uh, burnout paradise. I can't even tell you. And, uh, and it's because it's more of an action game than it is really a, a racer. I really yeah. hope that franchise comes back. Right. Yeah. What, or something with that. The last same. Well, they just re-released uh, paradise. Yeah. They did a re- remaster of paradise recently, but yeah, I don't know. Something like that. I mean, I, I heard um, Onrush. Onrush? I heard Onrush was was kind of like that. It would give that same feel. I did not play it. I have not played Onrush. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But, guys, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you both being here. Uh, Garrett Weinzerl, why don't you tell folks where they can uh, find out more of your stuff and listen to more of your work online? Well, at, at times I feel like I'm on every podcast, so just listen to a podcast and I'll probably show up. <laughs> uh, but if you're looking for my podcast specifically, head on over to amove.tv. That is A-M-O-V-E dot TV to find a Hearthstone podcast called The Angry Chicken, a Heroes of the Storm podcast called Into the Nexus, and uh, many, many other podcasts as well. Yeah, I uh, the week, like the two days before... Um... Uh, Battle for Azeroth dropped, I was like just jonesing so hard that I started downloading episodes of The Instance and I really enjoyed your appearance on The on the Instance. Uh, oh, I'm so, it's so weird being on that show. That's the first podcast I ever listened to and now I'm on it regularly. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and of course, love, love the other stuff you do as well. Uh, Tim Frazier, thank you so much for being here. It was great to, uh, great to have you. Uh, where can people find your work on the internet? Dude, thank you for the invitation. Uh, being on podcasts, I usually listen to some here and there and being on one for once in my life is kind of exciting. So thank you for that experience. Uh, Absolutely. for me, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Trixler. Uh, I'm continuing to grow my variety stream, playing games left and right. Uh, I try to beat five to six games a month nowadays, and I'm starting to finally hit that mark while also focusing on my main game, Heroes of the Storm. So if you want to check out that or have any questions about that game in particular, feel free to hit me up. Awesome. And you can always follow me online uh, on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And if you want to hear me talk about movies and TV shows, I do the Slash Filmcast, which you can find over at SlashFilmcast.com. I think this week we're talking about Crazy Rich Asians, which is a delightful film. Um, All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Tim, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week that might not be a video game? Okay, so this is, might be a weird one. I'm not sure. It's gotten more popular in media or at least in uh, culture lately, pop culture. Drag Race, uh, which is a mm. show on uh, Amazon that you can watch through Prime. Uh, it's it's going to sound really weird. It's dudes dressing up as girls and trying to look incredibly fashionable. And believe it or not, it is incredible storytelling i actually watched it because rupaul is a amazing host and i was trying to study host techniques if you have a chance check it out start with season four and you might wind up loving it i actually have watched every episode and i can't stop awesome that's drag race drag race yes that's fantastic i never have not watched any of those but i know many people in my life that absolutely adore that show it's, so it's amazing Same. to see where these where these people come from and what they're trying to do and what products they are trying to create just to make the world a better place it's it's actually a really really great show awesome uh, how about you garrett do you have a parting gift i feel like this is a bad psa from an old gi joe cartoon but read a book 
I have mm. been having trouble sleeping uh, a bit, and I have found that switch a, a, a not just read a book, read a paper book. I'm so done looking at screens, and switching to reading paper books before I go to bed has made my sleep schedule so much more normal. Hmm, that's great. No matter what it is, I've been catching up on Star Wars ex- uh, extended universe stuff. So uh, you know, whatever whatever you're into, right on. Very cool. Yeah, I, I support that. Uh, I, uh, I've been having a hard time reading lately because I'm so tired when I go to bed, uh, what with kids, but someday, someday I'll get back to reading more consistently and not falling asleep when I'm two pages in. <laughs> Have you done audiobooks at uh, all? Oh, I love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks constantly when I run. So I'm, I'm yes, hooked on audiobooks, uh, for sure. In fact, I was just listening to one today. Um, we got a listener suggested parting gift, which you can always submit to us uh, via our uh, our Gmail account, which is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from, oh, our friend, Patrick Beja. We know Patrick. Uh, uh, Patrick from France. Indeed. And, and we unfortunately have changed our recording time on the show to a time that is not conducive to Frenchmen. Uh, so he, you know, he will return as a guest, a full guest someday soon. Uh, when we can uh, record at a different time. But uh, for the moment, he has to submit these things. And he had a parting gift that he wanted to share. Uh, and it's Terrace House. Uh, it's funny, we had, we had two different sort of uh, reality shows this week. Terrace House, he said, I'm sure you've heard of it, but I'd like to encourage people who don't really like reality TV to give it a chance. It sounds similar to shows like Big Brother, Six People in a House with Cameras, but it has two things going for it. It's Japanese and it's Japanese. That means it's respectful, no vulgarity here, and it's full of Japanness. We don't get anywhere else. It's culturally fascinating, and their social awkwardness is super endearing. Also, the commentators are hilarious. P.S. Don't watch the Aloha State Hawaiian spinoff. The actual Japanese series is where it's at. Many hugs from y'all from the old continent. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, miss you, buddy. And uh, that's awesome. I have, uh, again, like like Drag Race, I have friends that just adore Terrace House and I haven't yet to watch it yet, but uh, sounds like a good one. My parting gift uh, is I went, I, I got a, uh, a subscription to the aquarium for the first time. Cause I have young children. I haven't been to an aquarium since I was uh, probably in grade school and my goodness, is it fun? My goodness, is there weird stuff in the ocean? There's weird stuff in the ocean, you guys. And they put it in tanks in the aquarium. Have you touched a starfish yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was my my son's favorite thing. Was, my two-year-old. They're like <laughs> squishy but like ribbed. It's so weird. It's such a weird feeling. Yeah. And it's alive. That's yeah. the weirdest part. It's like well, you're it's just chilling. Uh, yeah, touching the starfish and the sea anemones was his very favorite thing. And uh, we got to see the otters, which they're like little people. They're like little adorable people that swim fast, it's which all is about amazing. Hands. Yeah, they like were throwing the ball like the little keepers were like throwing a ball with them, and they were like go down and grab the ball and hold it, and hand it back. It's like it's like a little person. Uh, just I mean, so and then the, the jellyfish I could stare at for hours and hours and hours. It's just it's aquariums are great, and it's easy to forget how great they are when we have video games and distractions. Um, but I'm uh, I'm recommending it to you. I'm reminding you that aquariums are cool, and you should check them out. All right, 
that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks again to Garrett Weinzerl and Tim Frazier for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Uh, thank you to all of the folks hanging out in our chat room for being here live and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you as well. And thank to all of you who have downloaded the show. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.